Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you as always. And in today's show, it is episode 150 of the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to check out episode 149, the NFC South preview that's also in your feed. I'll be previewing the NFC West in this one for fantasy in 2022. If you want to hear my eighth bold take of the offseason, recorded bold take, you can also hear that on the NFC South episode. But this is NFC West. That's what we're talking about here. And we got four teams to discuss. And I'll try to get you all the information you need to know for your fantasy draft. No guests this week. As I said in the other show, I will likely have more for the end of the offseason. So be sure to check out the NFC East and North previews last week. If you haven't already, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF. And on Wednesday, which is the day this podcast releases at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, hosting Fantasy Football Talk on Twitter Spaces. Hop on, ask questions, join the mic, co-host with me, talk fantasy football. It's that simple. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I can't wait to talk to everybody on Twitter Spaces tomorrow because I'm recording this on Tuesday. So technically today... If you're listening to this the day this drops. So be sure to check it out. I'll probably have that weekly all the way up until the fantasy season. So no big deal if you miss it. Now let's get into it. NFC West preview, Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, 49ers. Let's start with Arizona. I'm going to, we got 12 questions here, three for each team. What are the thoughts on Kyler Murray without DeAndre Hopkins for six games? My thoughts are that he's still going to be an elite fantasy quarterback as expected, but As we saw with Hopkins injured at the end of last season, Kyler Murray definitely had some regression. I don't know if it's a guarantee that he's a top five quarterback without DeAndre Hopkins. They acquired Hollywood Brown. That is going to help. But at the end of the day, there's no replacing DeAndre Hopkins. And that has truly been what has made Kyler Murray elite all this time. Once he got Hopkins, he became elite. And without him, he's been less so. So I think he's at quarterback five. I usually don't draft quarterbacks early anyway, so I'm going to be avoiding Kyler in general, just like all the other guys at that position. But if you were to draft him, quarterback five, quarterback six, not a bad spot. He's going to step it up later in the season. Could be a league winner for you in the playoffs potentially, but then again, it's too early to take a quarterback because you're spending high capital to try to even get him to return at cost if he even plays great. So he's going to regress for sure in those first six games, but he'll get better as the season goes on. Thoughts on James Conner as a value right now. He's the RB15 right now on Fantasy Pros, and last year was the RB7, I think, just by playing just 14 games, by the way. I think he is a fantastic value because he just did that last year. He caught a ton of passes, ran for a ton of yards and touchdowns. This year, Chase Edmonds is gone, so there's not a ton of competition. I mean, there's Daryl Williams in the pass-catching game. That's going to be competition, but not as much as Chase Edmonds was. I expect Conner to handle a big workload, especially when they need him without DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to be huge. He is a value. I think he has RB1 potential for sure, and he's going at RB15. So a guy to look for there for sure. I like that spot. If you can grab Connor in the third round, which is where he's going sometimes, that's absolutely fantastic in my opinion. Last for the Cardinals, how does the receiver room look with and without DeAndre Hopkins? So with him, of course, I think Hopkins is probably going to end up being a top 12 guy, borderline top 12, maybe a little bit inconsistent at times. But without DeAndre Hopkins, I think Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown is the guy you can consider at wide receiver 23 because he truly does have top 12 upside for those first six weeks of the season. Could be a great sell high, could be a big guy who could carry you early in the season. And then even when Hopkins comes back, he's not going to be too bad. We saw Christian Kirk have some good production there. So worth a spot to pick a wide receiver 23 for sure. Hopkins, of course, is down on draft boards. Where even is he on draft boards? The wide receiver 42, actually. That's actually... A little bit low, to be honest, for me. I mean, 
I can, I, it makes sense. I guess you're going to be without him for six whole games. If you don't have IR spots, it's hard to take that chance. But if you have IR spots and they allow suspended players on there, stash Hopkins there for six weeks, because once he comes back, he's going to be as elite as ever. I don't think he's lost any talent at all. And he's going to be fantastic. Now let's move on to the Rams. Will Matthew Stafford be a top 10 quarterback at fantasy football this year? I think he will. Because last year he was easily in that category. He's in at the quarterback 13 this year, and that seems like a big value. People are forgetting last year. I mean, how much he fed Cooper Cup and how productive he was. The quarterback six in fantasy football, 20.45 fantasy points per game is pretty darn good. Now he's at the quarterback 13. I would take him over a guy like Dak Prescott for sure at the quarterback 10, just to give an example. There's a lot of good guys up there for sure, but I think Stafford could end up easily sneaking into the top 10. A good selection for that late round quarterback strategy. Get a nice safe guy like him and a guy with some more upside. But Stafford does have a lot of upside too. He was a mid-tier QB1 last year, absolutely has that upside. Can Cam Akers bounce back? Obviously, we saw him come back last year from that Achilles. Quick recovery, but he was slow, and he had seemed to have lost a step and was very inefficient in those playoffs. I am kind of off of Cam Akers because of the historical comebacks that we've seen from RB Achilles injuries, which isn't much. Like Usually, these guys end up losing a step, and for Akers, who never was incredibly explosive either, this is really going to just hurt his game a lot, in my opinion. At RB18, it's too risky. I'd rather take a shot on a guy like Dave Montgomery, Travis Etienne, Elijah Mitchell, guys like that. Cam Akers is in a void for me next year, unfortunately, because he was such a great player. But I think eventually this is, I mean, he was just so inefficient in the playoffs. It's hard to trust him, even with all these other playmakers in the offense. And he's going to be better than that, but I don't think he's going to come close to what he was before. All right. Or maybe kind of close, but like, you know, it's not going to be the same kind of thing. I just don't see enough upside there realistically. It's risky. And yeah, it's a little too much show for me. Can thoughts on the Rams target share splits thoughts on the target splits for the Rams. I think Cooper cops can be my wide receiver one, not because I would take him as the wide receiver one over the field, but I would take him over any other player individually. What's crazy is Justin Jefferson has now gone ahead of Cooper cup on fantasy pros as the wide receiver one. Why this is, I don't know. I would advise you to take advantage and get Cooper cup at wide receiver one. The logic I see most often is, well, Cooper cup isn't going to repeat as wide receiver one. Well, What's the likelihood that Justin Jefferson finishes it exactly? What's the likelihood that the wide receiver two last year? I mean, let me see who that was. I don't know if it was Justin Jefferson. What's the likelihood that Debo Samuel, the wide receiver two last year? I guess that's in standard. Let me switch to half. Sorry, guys. Devontae Adams. Okay, there we go. What's the likelihood that Devontae Adams, the individual wide receiver two last year, finishes as wide receiver one individually? Like, why only wide receiver one? If he finishes as wide receiver two, it doesn't count. It's not very high for this particular experiment. Of course, it doesn't count. But Cooper Cup. Also, his likelihood is also not that high where he is a repeat at wide receiver one, but it's certainly higher than Devontae Adams. You have to think of it individually. Picking regression just for regression's sake makes no sense because Cooper Cup has had the historic wide receiver one season. Justin Jefferson could, but he hasn't yet. So you're betting on the guy who did it by far and away, like several points last year. And then you're betting on the young guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase to take that leap after that, after Cooper Cup is the clearly wide receiver one in this offense. Other than that, Allen Robinson, who's being ranked kind of as a back-end wide receiver too, good veteran to take a shot on, has interesting upside. There is some sneaky target availability here, and it's all about whether you think he can have a resurgence or if he's kind of a little washed up. So we'll find out. He's a risky pick. Could burn you, but really has a lot of upside. And maybe we're getting some name fatigue on there. He could end up being that breakout that we forget about. Let's move on to the Seahawks. For the first question here at quarterback, can Drew Locke lead a half-decent offense? 
And the answer for real life purposes is no, no matter how many weapons he has, he had weapons in Denver. He had a great offensive line in Denver. He had great running backs in Denver and did not succeed. But at the end of the day, he will end up getting these guys some production because he has to throw the ball somewhere and he's going to be in games. I think Geno Smith is the better quarterback for fantasy football in terms of Seahawks offense, but I don't think either of them lead any wide receivers in this offense to a top 12 finish. DK Metcalf, who has been a consistent fade for me, is okay wide receiver 21. But even there, a guy like Darnell Mooney or a guy like Hollywood Brown intrigues me a lot more because I see them as having a lot more upside. So there's DK over there, of course, and then Lockett at wide receiver 39. I think Lockett and DK are pretty close together. I don't mind Lockett at that spot because that's pretty low. Like he, you're getting him at wide receiver four prices, and he's had some good seasons in the past. So I'm okay with that. Which RB is it going to be in Seattle? It's either Kenneth Walker or Rashad Penny. And Ken Walker, we saw, is now recently started dealing with this hernia injury, which Pete Carroll said hopefully he's ready for week one. But Pete Carroll's hopefully's and maybes and we think are often lies in terms of the injury department, as we've found over these last few years. And so it's difficult to trust, basically. Well, he's the king of coach speak. So it's either Walker or Penny. And Penny's currently going as the RB. 31 walker going at the rb 37 i like penny a little bit more but i've been kind of shifting back and forth because Pete carroll i mean historically he's given it to the guy he's loyal to the guys that he likes and the guys that have been on his team but walker's also looked pretty good beforehand and at like yeah it's just it's well i think walker has a lot of upside but penny does too because penny really at the end of last year was one of the, the most efficient running back in football. Incredible fantasy numbers. If he gets stays healthy, he can be great, but he is also very injury prone. So those guys are pretty similar to me. I think they're you can take shots around them on the round their draft position, and their draft position for one of them could end up looking foolish because there's a lot of opportunity there. Just don't know who it's going to be. Can Metcalf, Lockett, and Fant produce in Seattle? This one kind of already talked about. Fant uh, it has the connection with Drew Locke, which probably makes him a top 12 tight end, which seems very easy to do. But Metcalf and Lockett, same sort of thing. Now let's move to the 49ers, last team. What is the ceiling for Trey Lance here in fantasy football? The sky is really the limit, in my opinion, for Trey Lance. He could be the next big guy who looks like he's having a good uh, preseason as well. But just because of his rushing upside, that he doesn't even have to be that great of a QB to have a great fantasy finish. Just like Jalen Hurts did last year. Hurts was fantastic. He was a good QB one. Finished as the quarterback eight, but also had in points per game he was above a couple of those guys because he only played 15 games in weeks one through 17. So he was above Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford in points per game as well and very close to Aaron Rodgers. So he was basically a top six quarterback last year. So Lance with that rushing upside could easily do something like that. I see him as a great breakout. Taking him in that back end QB one range is a good value. Is it going to be Elijah Mitchell as the starter? We know it's Elijah Mitchell over there. Kyle Shanahan likes to shift his running backs. But right now it's kind of it other than Elijah Mitchell. You got Jeff Wilson, you got Davis Price, and you got um trey sermon and that's about it i don't trust any of those guys yet i think davis price is interesting given the 49ers tendency to draft and use later running backs like elijah mitchell for example but elijah mitchell seems to be the clear starter based on reports in camp so i'm not changing anything unless we hear something bad about mitchell who was very productive last year i think he's a good value at back end rb2 prices who shines in this crowded receiver room it is debo samuel brandon Ayuk, george kittle i think samuel will be very good probably will lose a bit of those like RB carries that made him so incredibly productive last year. But so that maybe he loses a bit of his floor in this crowded room and with Lance carrying the ball a lot too. 
Manish Bali is still going to be a top 10, top 12 guy for fantasy next year, barring injury. Ayuk, obviously down a little more. I think he's going to be a little bit inconsistent. It's going to be difficult to trust looking to, for where he is on fantasy pros right now. Ride receiver 35. That's not bad. It's hard to love his upside, though, because it feels like he is clearly locked as the wide receiver three with a talented but still unproven quarterback who runs the football. So it's difficult for me to trust. And the 49ers like to run it in general. And then Kittle's going to be a top five tight end. He's incredibly talented and thrives with whatever quarterback he has. So that wraps up the episode. Thank you guys for listening. I think this one was a little shorter than the other episode, so be sure to check that one out as well. I'm trying to, I guess, do a, switch it off between having those longer, deeper episodes with guests but and then have those shorter, quick hitter ones to kind of, I guess, see what gets the most engagement, first of all, and also what helps you guys the most. Still the same amount of info, generally. It just ends up being the fact that it's one person versus two, and I go a lot faster on these to get through all of this, but it still has all the info you need from these divisions. So be sure to check back next week. Check the space, Fantasy Football Talk on Twitter, 8 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday. So hopefully you're listening in time for that. Thank you all for listening. See you next time.